It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to Glib Shark, the podcasting madness of three people and the shark of their dreams. Our hosts include Jack Jenga Ship Edithel, Lauren Oboe Crazy Urban, and Jonathan Roadblock Cerna. Dive in as they chat with interesting people across the internet and generally talk about really geeky things. Be a chum and join us, won't you? It's time for Glib Shark. You sound wonderful. How do I sound? Sound good. You sound fantastic. Excellent. Okay, we got Listen a show. Listen to us all sounding like professionals. Yes. Or something. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not go nuts. <laughs> Let's not throw around words we can't take back. <laughs> I will throw around professional as often as I can or want to. Hi, I'm Jack. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Lauren. And we are Glibshart. Tonight... A look back at actually, I don't even have a show ready. I mean, do we really want to do that anymore? I think I'm the only one who like has an enthusiasm for this. Yes, yes, yeah. you are. <laughs> then again, you're also the only one that does the main part of the intro, so right. you can kind so, of do whatever you want. That's the thing. Like, I need to come up with something. If we're talking about just shooting the breeze, like I want to say something more than that, even if it's blatantly not true. Like, it's a look back at the KET series Adult Math. Well, here's here's the thing. Whenever and, and it's not so much an issue when it's just us, but I have noticed when we've had in the past people on who did not know our shtick, like when Oboe would finish the "I'm Oboe Crazy" and "Hey Bernie, something something," and then Bernie would just start talking, and then Jack wouldn't get to do his "The world is indeed a strange place" because <laughs> Bernie thinks that he's supposed to talk when. Anyone who's not familiar with the show may not know that. There, no, no, there's just just a little pause, just a little pause, and then and then we go right into it. Right, yeah, that's okay. It, when we have guests on now, it's more of a novelty, and it's interesting when we can interrupt each other and a little break in the the monotony, as it were. I'll find a new way to sort of kick open the shows. I think, or just go right into this week in geek. Which, by the way, hey. You're the lovely, the talented, the amazing Oboe Crazy, aren't you? Are you here to do a little something that we call This Week in Geek? I am, and, and maybe even more than that. First, if you haven't been keeping up on the news of Halo 5 Guardians, today is a very interesting day to go Google Halo 5 and specifically Forge because 343 put out a, a giant article about the new Forge, which looks, frankly, insane. Now, I've never been someone who can forge. I'm I'm a player. I'm not a creator. I'm the first to admit that. But we've all been around in the Halo community long enough to appreciate not only Forge itself, but the people who can do it really well. Hell, uh, Griffball, which is deep in our tradition as Rooster Teeth people, comes right from our community and from playing around in Forge. So it is definitely a fascinating read to go and see what people who are either going to forge or want to be able to make their own maps in any way or are going to be playing on those maps, what you can do. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, just in all of the different fun things that they talk about, there's a whole video and everything. Let me just put it this way. 1,600 objects. That's right. 1,600 objects, which is hundreds more than they've had before. So definitely go take it, take a read. It's on halowaypoint.com and see what's going to be happening. It sounds like they're actually releasing forge later in the year. It's not going to be part of the, the core game, but Hey, you know, I, I think that gives everybody a chance to play the game a little bit and, and then go forge crazy. Now, if forging isn't your game, if instead you like uh, say star Wars or other props and things to play with, then you probably were watching the 
Hollywood Auction Number 74, which was run by Profiles in History, which is a prestigious auction house, which last Thursday had a gigantic geeky auction. Bidding was fast and furious on a feast of geeky gold, more than 1,900 individual lots, one on the block, representing nearly 100 years of geek history, I guess, in general, including archival concept art, original screenplays, personal letters, autographed photos, rare costumes, sci-fi spaceship miniatures, posters, books, movie cameras, screen-used pistols, ray guns, lasers, and even an authentic Willy Wonka golden ticket and a Shatner hairpiece from the original series. Amid some of the more coveted nerd-oriented Star Wars items available were Princess Leia's slave bikini, an actual filming miniature of the famous Rebel blockade runner, the first spaceship seen in Star Wars opening, a screen-used Rebel fleet trooper helmet, and an actual Rebel guard jacket. Uh, probably one of the, the bigger items was George Lucas's hand-annotated script page, which, you know, if, if you want to see what he does in the side margins, that's kind of cool. There was also uh, Jabba the Hutt maquette, a Darth Vader production mask, uh, Sarlacc tooth from Return, Return of the Jedi, and, and a whole bunch more. The Rebel Blockade Runner's hammer price weighed in at four hundred and fifty thousand dollars which is the most ever paid for a star wars artifact at auction in history all told profiles hollywood auction number 74 hauled in 7.3 million dollars after it was done which is pretty amazing you can check out the whole thing by go ahead and go to the googles it's all there i i actually like the golden ticket i i think it's um a pretty neat piece of history and and it is kind of one of those one of a kind things. Finally, this is admittedly a little less geek and a little more close to my heart. So, I am a classical musician and sometimes it is hard to convince people to come and see my concerts because there is this stigma of classical music, uh, orchestral concerts being this super serious dour place where everybody needs to know exactly what they're doing and dress nice and act proper. And theater kind of goes along with that, especially even musical theater. There is this overwhelming idea that you need to act proper and nice and good and and know exactly what you're doing. And and if you don't, you're going to be just ridiculed and booed, which is why it's so hard to get new people to come to the audience to see productions these days. And it doesn't help when people are just in general assholes. And one Broadway star just took family-friendly to the next level. Actor Kelvin Moon Lowe, who is uh, performing on Broadway in The King and I, blasted audience members on Facebook for their callous reaction to an autistic child who disrupted Wednesday's Lincoln Center matinee. He said, quote, when, when did we, as theater people, performance, performers, and audience members become so concerned with our own experience that we lose compassion for others? Um... So basically what happened was this mother brought her child who is somewhere on the autistic spectrum to see this performance of The King and I, which I think everyone would agree The King and I is, amongst many other things, super family friendly. It is, the, it is something you want to bring your child to. Um, and apparently for the first two hours and 45 minutes of this show, because let's remember it's musical theater, these things can go on for three hours or more, the child was perfectly normal and quiet and enjoyed the performance like anybody else, which for any child, no matter whether they're autistic or not, is amazing. And then apparently the child started to act up and began yelping. And the audience, instead of just ignoring what was going on, because that's what you should do, you should be paying attention to what's up on stage, uh, started shushing and booing the child. The child then tried to remove, or the mother tried to remove the child from the theater, but he, being autistic and getting basically booed at by the entire audience, grabbed one of the railings and started to shriek. And so it took a while for the mom to get this child out of the theater. And so a whole bunch of people went to Facebook and complained about how the child ruined this performance and how they shouldn't have let this child into the theater. And so one of the, the stars of the, the King and I 
responded and said, I'm angry and sad. I just got off stage of today's matinee. And yes, something happened. Someone brought their autistic child to the theater. You think I would admonish the mother for bringing a child who yelped during a quiet moment of the show. You think I would herald an audience that yelled at this mother for bringing their child to the theater? No. Instead, I ask you. And then he goes on to talk about how upset he was at the reaction that the audience had over this child. And basically reached out and said, I want more moms to bring their children. I want more autistic families to come. We specifically do performances that are autistic friendly if that's what you need. And if not, I don't want you to be scared away by really overly serious audience members. And then he admonished all of these people for basically acting pretentious and not just trying to have a good night. And once again, as a professional musician, as a geek who likes to sit and enjoy, say, a, a movie premiere or uh, see something that's going to be premiering or go to the theater, I would like to remind you guys, first off, it is just a show. You should really just relax. And second off, it's for everybody. You, you don't need to admonish people, especially children, for just trying to enjoy themselves. That's all for This Week in Geek. I'm Oboe Crazy. And calm down, people. Just calm down. The world is indeed a strange place. Uh, although, the stories like this may be an awesome place where someone actually looks out for, for somebody and reminds us that we're all human. If you have a fact you want read live and on the air, you can send it to Lauren at OboeCrazy.com. And while you're at it, go to GlibShark.com, which is full of past episodes of Classic Jenga Jam, all-time podcasts, modern Glim Shark, and even episodes of uh, D&D&D. Yay! Absolutely. And speaking of which, we actually recorded an episode last night. We did. And the, the second episode, uh, which we recorded a couple weeks ago, just went up last night. So if you are listening to this, hopefully you have heard some new adventures of the, the party and what they've been up to. Basically eating pies. Yeah. There was lots of pie eating. <laughs> and uh, and I heard I listened to the episode uh, too, actually, on the way home today. And uh, gosh, I love the whole like sign off there. Um, gosh, what was your sign off again? I'm trying to remember what you said at the very end of the episode. It's it's it, it stood out to me though. Oh well, you are just gonna have to. People are just gonna have to go and listen. So uh, I'll I'll explain it a little bit because it's it's gonna be slightly different. We record for two to three hours at a time. And obviously, we don't necessarily want to put out three-hour episodes. So I've been cutting them up into approximately one-hour chunks. It seems like an hour to an hour and a half is pretty good, basically cutting each recording session into two different episodes. So when we record, I open with a recap of what happened last week. We introduce ourselves. We go into the – we record, and then we end it, which means when I split those episodes in half, episode one has the opening – but has no real ending. And episode two has the ending, but no real opening. So I came up with bookends to match up with the other sides, and I'm, I'm glad you enjoy it. Yeah. And it's kind of neat. It's one of those things where I'm in there and I'm playing the game, but to actually hear it and, uh, and to be part of it, it's definitely a different thing than uh, it's a narrative. It's a story, whereas this is more of a conversation, catching up a piece of our lives. Every now and again, it's an interview or someone joining us and talking about what they do and us sort of shooting shoot the breeze. This is a narrative with a story. And uh, it's nice to see those story threads, this world that, we're, that you've created and that we're acting in sort of come together where you have this, this town, Greenest, which is a character. You have um, this sort of undercurrent of racism, which is sort of a theme and has been recurring. And it's I'm really excited to see where the story goes because like – it's a world you can dive into pretty easily, and uh, and we're storytellers, which is kind of neat. It's something we really haven't done that much as as broadcasters. Sorry, I'm going to uh, reset my microphone real quick. I will be right back. Okay, no problem. I'll tap Jonathan on the shoulder. Yeah, it's I. I have been really enjoying myself, and I feel like I I, I do have to apologize because I I think that we that I put to rest a. Something you were trying to do, and I was getting a little impatient because I had been drinking and, and I just wanted to kind of get to the story and get to the fight. And you got to understand where I come from, though. I have my I love my RPGs with the tiny, the smallest font lowercase r. 
<laughs> That's okay. Like, and and I'm just all about getting to the fight. And I feel like my character kind of is good for that because he doesn't care about the minutiae. He just wants to get to, to kill and stuff. Yeah, that's great. Where's the fight? <laughs> <laughs> that's basically Magimuscular right there in a sentence. And that's okay. I mean, it, it takes all kinds. I, I have to admit that as a player, I find it much easier to be a min-maxing uh, fighter type person than the the RP. And it's only been recently that I've really grown into doing some more of the actual role play. And that's that's now kind of a fun challenge for me. Can I can I go through with that? Can I and can I play a character who isn't necessarily completely aligned with me and and really dive into that character? But you know what? It's different for everybody. I, we have different people in the group, some of whom like that kind of role playing and are less comfortable with the combat. So it's it's been an interesting challenge throwing you guys bits and pieces of what what everybody wants and also challenging everybody a bit. Yeah. I will say that uh, that of all the players from the last couple of days or the last session, Jules has been killing it. Oh, yeah. Well, you all have. You've all been playing off each other super, super well. And certainly uh, it's going to be a couple of weeks before people hear what we did last last night. But uh, she had some amazing role play in, in the last game to the point where I was actually afraid for her character because of what she was doing. But I, it was it was a ton of fun playing off of her. And yeah, it's been it's been great fun. Yeah. And it makes for great storytelling. I feel like particularly Jules and I guess John's character, Carlton Tanks, they're very well defined. It's so early on, but I mean, you clear as a bell. I, I think you'd have a pretty easy time describing like who they are and what they're doing and impersonating them at this point. With, uh, I mean, Jonathan is that way too. I think with my character, I'm still getting a hammer down a, who, as to who he is. And I have the backgrounds and stuff, but I think I'm not used to it. I think I'm the one, I mean, other than Jules, I might be the one with the least experience with D&D. So I'm trying to find a way to sort of balance this character who's trying to do good, but whose instinct might be to be callous or to be selfish. <laughs> because, and, but, but he's trying not to be selfish because when he does, you know, bad things happen and, and villages tear each other apart. And I think I've, I've said this before. There's no hurry. Uh, I've certainly been in the position where I've played characters who were much, who were very well defined when I started playing them. And I've played characters who as I played, defined themselves just in what I instinctually decided to have them do or what happened to them. So there's no wrong way of going about it as long as you continue to have fun. Yeah. But I do super duper. I mean, I love talking D&D, but we've talked a lot of D&D. And now that the episodes are coming out, I don't want to spoil anything. So I want to move away from D&D and I want to talk about the Muppets. Let's talk about. The oh, Muppets. my God. Okay, so I've seen the first two episodes. I think the third episode is tonight, right? It is tonight, yes. Okay, so I haven't seen that yet. What what have you guys seen? I've seen the first two episodes. I've seen most of the Groban one, which I think is the second episode. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, I mean, I've read some of the, the previews going in or some of the reviews and saying, oh, it's not your parents' Muppet, it's different, Kermit's kind of a jerk now. But it's a modern retelling, and I think it makes it much more relevant than it would have been if they're just trying to uh, to recreate something that's you know thirty or forty years old. It's the same characters, but you're sort of seeing them in a kind of modern lens, telling the kind of stories that they couldn't tell forty years ago, and that to me is very vital and fascinating. And I love the whole storyline of uh, but I'm not, not to spoil it too much between uh, Kermit and Miss Piggy. I think that's really kind of an interesting take on it. I think it's interesting that it's Miss Piggy's show. It's not the it's not Kermit's show at all. It's Miss Piggy's show, and so so Kermit really isn't the star of the show. Miss Piggy is right, and I I think that adds a very interesting dynamic, especially given given what's happening with some of the characters. But I I think that the writing of this series is exceedingly clever, like the fact that they are able to reference so many different adult topics without actually referencing them is just brilliant. Like it, it, it's just an absolute brilliant show. I'll say this. I liked the second episode better than the first. And I think it has more, much more potential. Now I was 
slightly disappointed with the first episode, mostly because the there was a, a teaser trailer that had come out that was super short. It was only like a minute. And I thought it gave away all of the best lines from the first episode. And it was, you know, we've, we've talked about this kind of thing for trailer spoilage before movies, especially the, now that I've seen the second episode, I don't mind it so much. Cause I feel like if I hadn't seen that original trailer, which did something that most trailers don't do, especially comedies, which is I actually laughed. I laughed out loud at some of the stuff that, that happened in that teaser. And it, made me want to see this. I don't think I would have been as gung-ho about seeing a new Muppet show because I, I might have been much more cynical. So I watched the first episode and there were a couple of other little jokes in there that I found funny, but overall it was like, oh, the funniest bits were in the trailer. That's kind of disappointing. And then the second episode came along and I I liked it a little more because it was all completely new. The um, I do agree that the writing is really, really good. I'm not finding it as funny as I wanted it to, but the moments that I find funny are very funny. So I'm hoping they're kind of hitting their stride. I I like the the constant walk on or uh, uh, guest jokes that are happening. I feel like the 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 late night talk show setting is the the perfect vehicle for that. I mean, I, I thought the best thing about the the one episode was Tom Bergeron. That was. Fucking brilliant. I, I loved Tom Bergeron in that. I thought he was great. I thought what the Muppets were doing with him were great. I love the fact that here is here is in the grand tradition of comedy satire and the Muppets in specific, here is an actor portraying a version of himself and making fun of himself. And I thought it was great. And I think one of the cool things is it's like we're at a point now where most of these actors who are making cameos, the vast majority of them were probably fans of the Muppets as children. Yes. And now have grown up and get to be part of that world and play with it. So there's a certain glee that comes with that. Oh, absolutely. And it's it's really nice to see. I mean, you talked about it not being your parents' Muppets. It kind of is. I mean, if you I've watched the original Muppet show from way back and I will watch episodes on a regular basis and there are jokes in there and there are references that are truly adult references. There are things that, uh, you know, the, the show that was ostensibly marketed towards kids, especially young kids with, with the puppets and the Muppets and the singing and everything they would not have gotten. And there are guest stars that appeared on that show, you know, who sang sexy songs and wore sexy outfits. This was, this was a show that was meant to be in the grand tradition of a lot of really good children's entertainment, meant to be enjoyed by children on one level and adults on another. You know, that they're going to get the office references. They're going to get the the jokes about, you know, the, the egotism. They're going to get all that stuff. And the kids are going to enjoy, um, you know, the, the crazy wacky antics and, and animal beating on a drum. <laughs> I will spoil one line that Animal had that was great, where he's like, Animal been on road so many towns, so many ladies. So many ah. women. <laughs> and there's one, I think, where uh, the bear and someone else are competing to sell cookies or whatever. Yeah, the news anchor. The, the news, anchor. Yes. news anchor. Oh, yeah. And I love the line where they finally had the, the bear has the idea to sort of sell to Electric Mayhem. And then Scooter's like, well, yeah, especially now that it's legal. Well, there's like, yeah, they're always happy. Legally now. <laughs> yeah, that's yep. right. That's the line. That's the line. Yeah, Scooter has always been the straight man in The Muppet Show. And they're super duper playing that up now. He, he I think, gets some of the best lines. Well, they kind of have to. Now that Kermit's kind of going on this kind of interesting character arc where usually he's a force for good or someone who's exasperating and reacting to the other Muppets around him and trying to move towards good. Now he's kind of acting a little selfishly. It's kind of interesting to see a Kermit the Frog that makes mistakes. See, now, well, he's always been a, a frog that makes mistakes. I, but I would argue that, no, he is He is trying to, to do good things. He... You know, the whole Josh Groban thing of bringing him on in order to, you know, make their work environment better, but then realizing that the show suffers because of it. And, and you know, then 
going out to to make the show better. I mean, he he is always trying to do whatever he can for his people. I guess, um, but he seems yeah. a little more vindictive now. Like, especially the way he goes after Josh Groban, which is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they have a very surprisingly adult conversation with each other about that, which I think you could only get in the Muppets. And and then the the hilarious, well, I'll just jump over you kind of moment also can only happen in the Muppets. So right. it's, I've, I've really been appreciating the show. I'm going to continue to watch it. It has not been as as outright funny as I was hoping for. But as I said, maybe I, I need to watch a little bit more and get another few episodes that I don't know what's going to happen under my belt. So, and, and now that I have a cable box in my bedroom, I can probably catch up on some before I go to bed. There you go. It's my wife to, to sort of tell, give it a shot. It is still a super short series. I mean, it is, it is 22, 23 minutes once the commercials are taken out. So totally yeah. worth it. Right. Uh, okay, so we're talking TV. Have yes. you guys seen the new Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Sadly, I've... not yet. Neither okay. have I. And okay. I want to, but it's been harder to sit down for an hour and watch it than it was then to sit down Then we won't and watch talk about it because I've seen it, I liked it, and stuff, things. I've heard really good things. I will, I will say, I must admit, part of the reason I haven't been, as much as I want to see it, Part of the reason I haven't been as excited is because there are still characters on that show that end up being the focus of the show that I'm not interested in. And, and there's other characters that I love that usually get the short end of the stick. So it's, it's been hard to get excited about a season premiere that I suspect is going to focus mostly on characters I'm not that invested in. Well, it, tonight is actually – you were talking about the Muppets being on tonight. Tuesday night is an incredibly loaded night of TV because you have the Muppets, you have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and then over on the CW, you have um, – what's it? Uh, Flash and Arrow? Flash. Well, no, I'm just talking Tuesday night specifically. Right, you have okay. Flash and iZombie. iZombie. Oh, that's right. Hmm. And I think on NBC, isn't oh, – Blindspot's on on Monday. I think NBC has some stuff on Tuesday too. I don't remember what their offerings are. We were just watching this. Uh, I know CBS has uh, NCIS d- doubleheader, so the regular classic, and then they have Los Angeles, which is what I was watching before the show started. So, uh, so yeah, they, they got their options too. I've been blind spots on w- another one that I've been meaning to watch because one of the actresses on there uh, is one from Critical Role, and I've I've really wanted to Ashley Johnson. Oh, Ashley Johnson, is, yes, yeah. Chris, Chrissy Seaver from Growing Pains. And I've I've totally wanted to support her, but once again, I just haven't had the chance to sit down and watch. And then, of course, uh, Lady Sif. And and Lady Sif, who is kind of a badass in whatever she does. Um, I've been watching both. When I get back into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and The Muppet Show, we haven't been watching live. We've been watching via the app. So um, we can watch it. I've now logged into those the ABC app so I can watch it pretty immediately after it airs which is how I've been able to keep up with the Muppet show so consistently. So hopefully once I finally sit myself down or I don't know, maybe spend an hour on the treadmill. Maybe, maybe that's what I need to do is stop playing games on the treadmill and start watching TV again. I need, I may need to do that because I also realized that the leftovers have come back and I'm willing to give that show a second shot. I was about to say you were disappointed with the first season. as I, I did not like it. And I think it, I suspect it was because I know so Lisa just came in here and gave me the what the fuck. But <laughs> here's why. Here's why. The opening credits for the new for the new season are creepy as fuck. And it's not following the book anymore. Okay. So surprises. Yes. Well, I get the feeling the book wasn't actually that good. Well, probably from the first season, which wasn't that good. <laughs> Like, the oh. first season was just interesting enough for, uh, it, 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 I guess it was just, just interesting enough. But the, what I'm hoping is that the second season, not being as uh, tied to the book as the first season was, obviously, because it was just like, it, it was just all book. Hopefully that, that is good for the show, because it, it, it needed all the help it could get. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's on a home box office, right? It is, yes. Okay. 
might be worth considering. I mean, I feel like I've been neglecting my poor HBO. It sort of comes. Oh, with- you haven't been keeping up with the John Oliver show? I have. I mean, I watch like clips here and there on YouTube, but uh, I mean, he's his satire is so on point. But I, I just haven't been able to make the time for it. And they do a, a super good job of putting clips from every single show. And uh, clips is is putting it mildly. He puts like a for a thirty minute show, he puts a ten minute chunk out there practically every week. But it is absolutely worth watching. Uh, his you're absolutely right. His satire is completely on point. I feel like. I, I haven't had a chance to watch the new Daily Show with Trevor Noah, so I, I can't say. But he has, but Oliver has absolutely taken the ball of John Oliver and ran with it. And him and his writers do a fantastic job every week of doing what I the the things I loved about the Daily Show, and the one thing, and they cut out the one thing I didn't always love, which were the interviews. And it's all of it is just really specific, biting commentary. That is truth to power with a humorous bent. Um, and I totally wish that I'd had the money to join his church and send him my seed. <laughs> Make a reverend. <laughs> and you know, the one thing about that John Oliver is he can do more because he's on HBO. And I think right now he's a more seasoned comedic talent. A guy like Trevor Noah has only been doing stand-up for a few years now. And uh, I think he was hired largely based on potential more than his track record. I mean, he's funny and he has a lot of promise, but I think he's still growing and still evolving. I mean, so well, it I, took John Stewart like a year to get into his it position. Did. And keep everyone, in mind, Trevor Noah is the third host of the daily show, not the second. Yeah. We, everyone forgets Craig Kilborn. For yep. with, rightfully with good, so, yeah, with, with, kind of a dick. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it did take John Stewart some time to find his voice and Trevor Noah will probably go through the same thing. If I could do a sports metaphor, I would say maybe Trevor Noah is like Nelson Aguilar, like a rookie with a lot of upshot, but he's still like feeling his way around things. And then I guess John How Oliver. How the fuck did you make the most, the most like uh, obscure sports reference possible? Well, he's an this eagle. Is Jenga. He makes nothing but obscure references. And and Aguilar's on the Eagles, so of course I know who he is. And then, Does that mean I can make an old school Bills reference, and 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 you guys will be all, "Ooh, she made a sports reference." Nice. Uh, like I'm trying to think, like, who, and John Oliver would probably be like, I mean, he was like a preeminent wide receiver now, like who's like the guy. Well, and I, I would also not to interrupt your fantastic sports metaphor. <laughs> I would argue that um, his show, you'd said, well, they can do more because they're on HBO. To be very honest, I don't. With the exception of the occasional f bomb that he drops, I don't think there's anything on that show that they do that they couldn't do on Comedy Central. And hell, with the exception yeah. of what may or may not be Mitch McConnell's uh, genitalia, well, that was season but one. They, they could bleep that out, and you know what? It's on on the Daily Show. They would often either pixelate things or bleep things out as well, and then you could you could hear the uncensored bits online. So. But as far as like the content and the the stories and everything, I I do think it's just HBO said I I we like what you guys did on Daily Show. Come over and do Daily Show some more. Yeah, I mean it's a little different in that he has a lot more time to go into a story. He's not handing it off yes. to different anchors necessarily. Like where the Daily Show is more of an ensemble piece, where I guess uh, you know Noah is in the anchor's chair, but he has like a whole cast of characters. I mean, to some extent, Oliver has that too, but really. John Oliver is sort of the driving force in a way that I mean, it's, he's it's mainly him in that half hour. Yeah. Oh, it, I totally agree. He is essentially delivering a thirty-minute comedic monologue, and it is written obviously by a group of talented writers with a ton of research behind it and a, a lot of really good facts. But it is he is behind a desk in a chair for. Uh, the comedic trappings, but yeah, it's it's just him. He could be on stage with a microphone, and the only difference is you wouldn't see the pretty graphics they come up with, which is funny because I do like it when they they're just they talk about a country and they show a map where the country is, and he says, "You know so little about this country that you don't even know that that's not where that country is. It's actually here." No, wait, that's not it either. Fooled you again. <laughs> <laughs> And he's caught me many times. I've I've been like, I don't know if I know where that con- – oh, yep, no, I don't know where that country is. I mean, he wouldn't get me. I'm a former Geography Bee champion. I could find Burkina Faso if I had to. 
No, he gets me. I, I'd like to think that I am intelligent enough to know in general where most of the countries of the world are, or at least given enough time, I could sing the Animaniac song and figure it out because sure. the Animaniac song goes in hemispheres. So as long as you give me about four minutes, I can at least tell you what continent it's on. <laughs> well, just remember the Spanish Sahara is gone. Yes. Niger, Nigeria, Chad and Liberia, Egypt. T- no, all right. And Gabon, I think. Yes. Mongolia, Laos, and Tibet, and Tunisia, the Philippine Islands. Yeah. Yeah, Don't make me. Don't make me because it's bad. (laughs) And I know Netflix has uh, Jessica Jones coming up uh, next month. Yeah, I I read a a little like a sort of primer on Jessica Jones, kind of what she's about and and uh, and some of the history. And some of it I already knew, like some of it I, I knew from. Just the the little bit of research that I had done on the character, like I know who David Tennant's playing, I know what that history is, yeah, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they parlay that into into the series and how 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 broken do they make Jessica like and I think it's going to be pretty broken, and I think a lot of people are going to be surprised. I think the alarm clock thing to, like pro- trailer gave us a lot about what it's going to be like in terms of the demeanor of the character where she is in life and what she's doing like there's a lot of carefully placed between her everything is there for a reason every piece of it and let me say like jessica jones the character is one of my favorite in marvel i have alias which is the basis of the series it's a max series it was meant not for all ages it was actually adults only series and one of the first that marvel ever did under their max line and I have the omnibus. I'm looking at it right now from my bookshelf. And I'm going to reread it again, I think, in preparation for, uh, for the series. Uh, the one thing they're changing, though, her friend in the series is uh, Ms. Marvel, Carol Danvers. Uh, I think because of the movie or whatever, they're making it uh, Patsy Walker, who ends up becoming like Hellcat, who's sort of their, uh, their, their sort of chick Archie character in Marvel, back when Marvel did things other than superhero comics. And they decided, hey, we'll make her a superhero, too. But I think she's a perfect foil for uh, for someone like Jessica Jones. I I must admit, I don't know anything about this character, and I haven't looked into her at all, and I feel a little bad. But I feel like before I dive into another Netflix show, I need to finish watching Daredevil. You definitely need to finish watching Daredevil. The, for the action sequences alone are incredible. And I know. Just the character arc of it, just... You know, seeing the show, the two diametrically opposed forces of Matt Murdock and Wilson Fisk, it's it's so rewarding. Yeah, I, I didn't have to be as good as it was. Like I coming off of the the movie from years ago, which wasn't. I mean, there are worse things than the Daredevil movie. Not many, but there are. And to see it go from that and actually having time to expound the story, I, I, it's rich. It's rewarding. Lauren, make the time for it. I think you'll you you'll be happy. You did. I, you've said nothing that I haven't heard already from many other people, my husband included. Right. I, I absolutely. Maybe, as I said, maybe I need to stop playing games on the treadmill and start actually watching or stuff again. Just alternate. Do a game day and a movie day. Game day, maybe. Movie, TV day. I have heard, I mean, this is topical. There was a news report that came out just now, uh, just today, I think, that says that up until today, the recommend recommendation for exercise was about 30 minutes a day. If you can get in 30 minutes a day of some type of moderate exercise, you'd be healthier and happier. And now scientists are saying that's probably not true, that it might be two to three times that, that maybe it's more like an hour and a half worth of exercise a day. So I've been doing consistently 30 minutes on the treadmill, if not more. Now I definitely need to do more. I mean, that stuff changes, I feel like, every a couple of weeks. Like, first they say no red meat, then they say lots of red meat, then they say some red meat, then they say red meat while you're riding a unicycle. I, 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 it's hard <laughs> to keep up. Well, it's always hard to keep up on a, uh, on a unicycle. That's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, here, I've got the Washington Post article right here because it, it didn't sound like, oh, because they've, they've talked about this 30 minutes of exercise for quite a while, you know, 30 minutes a day of moderate exercise. And... Of course, the Washington Post. Is, there we go. Um, researchers reviewed 12 studies involving 370,460 men and women with varying levels of physical activity. Over a mean follow-up time of 15 years, this group experienced uh, 20,203 heart failure events. Each of the participants... 
participants self-reported their daily activities, allowing the team to estimate the amount of exercise they were doing. They found that those following the 30 minutes a day guidelines issued by the American Heart Association had, quote, modest reductions in heart failure risk compared to those who didn't work out at all. But those who exercise two to four times as much had a, quote, substantial risk reduction of 20 to 35 percent. Wow. So the magic 30 minutes a day number is not necessarily magic. That it helps. It's better than nothing. Yeah. But better than nothing isn't necessarily what you want. What you want is significant change. Especially so to counteract all the sitting we're doing, I was reading something about how devastatingly bad it is like that we sit all day where most of us sit all day at work and you know the damage it does to our spine, to our stomach, to our to our buttocks and the, the things that you can't recover even if you exercise. After having done that, like it's like you do eight hours of damage to your body a day and then you try and reverse it in a half an hour. And, you know, while the half hour is definitely be- better than doing nothing at all, it's not going like, to remove all that, undo all that damage. Yeah. And it's and funny, they do- that, it's funny that this comes up now because one thing that I've been doing recently at work is doing 30 to 45 minutes of time on one of the treadmills we have in our little gym playing Hearthstone. And that has been I, – I got to say that has been really helpful. Like uh, Lisa's noticed a difference. I feel like in the afternoons I have a lot more energy. Plus I'm getting better at Hearthstone. So there's that too. <laughs> <laughs> and the study does say that it doesn't need to be like an hour and a half solid of exercise. That it, it's kind of cumulative throughout the day and you can get it in bursts of like – 15 to 30 minutes at a time or even even smaller, especially if it's intense, that you don't necessarily have to carve out an entire hour and a half chunk that like what you're doing, you know, grabbing on a lunch break or, you know, they they even list a whole bunch of like, you know, just walking fast or pushing a lawnmower or anything that increases your heart rate that gets you moving for at least a couple of minutes is is totally worth it. So so there you go. I'm I'm going to I pledge today. I've, I'm going to get on the treadmill and I'm going to watch those shows that I haven't been watching. I'm going to try to do it for at least an hour and a half a day. I think I might grab uh, the stationary bike from my parents and try and set it up here somewhere. And this might be a tall order because I don't have a lot of space in this apartment. But, uh, but certainly a small stationary bike. Just I'll tell you. A bunch of years ago when I was back living in Buffalo, I, had, I bought a recumbent bike. And I bought it super cheap at like Sears or something. And I would sit in the recumbent bike and, and yeah, biking is especially in a recumbent bike, not necessarily as good of an exercise as say treadmilling or something else. But I would sit in that thing and I would either, um, watch, I, I, I couldn't, I still can't play like Halo. I can't actually play a game that involves a lot of manual dexterity, but I could watch. Uh, this is back in Halo 3's heyday. I would watch my saved films and I would do clips. And for those that remember, at least in Halo 3, you couldn't, you could only skip forward through a video. You couldn't go backwards. And so if you wanted to grab a clip from, say, a 20 minute big team battle game, you basically had to watch the whole game to find the moment that you needed. And if you missed the moment, you had to start over from the beginning and fast forward. So I would sit in the chair and I would clip Halo games because it mostly meant sitting there watching with the fast forward button on and I would play RPGs. I played through all of uh, an RPG whose name I just forgot. Oh God. Anyway, it was like this 85 hour JRPG, which those don't involve a lot of manual dexterity. Those involve like moving around and then picking something out of a menu. And if I was good, if I got really into what I was doing, I could go for 45 minutes or an hour. And the next thing I knew, I'm like, why am I sweating? Oh, wait. Yeah, I find that I sweat a lot more when I'm walking uh, during that workout with Hearthstone than when I am just walking or even running. And I'm pretty sure it's because I'm using enough brain power while playing the game to, to burn more calories, essentially. And one thing that I have noticed is that I have gotten better at... Um, at kind of just staying with it because I would often lose when I first started. Like Mm. I would just lose a lot. 
And now I'm finding that I'm actually winning a few games. So that's that's kind of nice. Yeah, and I've, I've found, for me personally, as long as I have something to look at, um, I, I can't just listen to music or a podcast. I, I have to keep my eyes occupied or else all I'm doing is looking at the time tick away on how long I've been on the treadmill. But if I watch TV, read a book or play a game, or if, if my eyes are engaged at looking at something other than the clock, I will manage to stay on the treadmill a lot longer. Yeah. So there you go, kids. Uh, go play all of those evil mobile games you've been hearing about and uh, get on a treadmill. There totally. you go. Like, it, like a lot of games you can play on the treadmill effectively. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's it's unless you're doing a lot of hardcore running, it's pretty easy. So I have I, I have something to report here. While we've been doing the show, I have been doing some destiny with the, our friends, uh, Dop and Dr. Jones. Again, congratulations, Dr. Jones. He just got back from his honeymoon. He married the lovely fireball. And we talked a lot about it last week. But anyway. So right before we went in, I have a Warlock, and I bought a piece of armor called the Starfire Protocol. Starfire Protocol is one of my favorite armor pieces because it allows for a second fusion grenade. It's just really a solid piece of armor. We go through the Nightfall, and my fucking reward at the end was a goddamn Starfire Protocol. Yeah. Now... I will, this is tempered by the fact that the one that I bought from the armor blueprints is actually better. It's got better stats, better rolls, uh, and the stats that it buffs are, are also better. So there is that, which is kind of nice. But still, it's, it, 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 the nightfalls I find in the Taken King have been a little wonky. Either, the, either they don't give you shit, or they do give you shit. I, it just just in the in the realms of terrible stuff, or it just it just seems like they're more cruel with their rewards. Hmm. Well, I mean, it's still a step in the right direction compared to how cruel they were with the rewards back in the day. No, Nightfalls previously were a lot more lucrative. They huh. were harder, but you tended to get better stuff. Uh, I found that the Nightfalls so far that I've run have been especially not lucrative, and. I, I think the first one that that I ran was probably the best when when I want to say Izzy and I and I forget who our who our third was, but Izzy got a truth and I got a Suros regime and and new Suros and new uh, truth, so they were immediately useful. Hmm. But anyway, I've been that's... running. I've been running a lot of Neverwinter and I've managed to get all of my armor and weapons to be blue, and I have a horse. I'm actually wearing a blue emblem right now. There you go. Yeah, I I got a when I was at PAX a couple of weeks ago when I was in line to have I talked about playing Neverwinter at all on on this? I feel like I have a little bit, but we could probably stand to hear more. It's not okay. Destiny, so it's probably good. <laughs> I, I will well, and it's I will keep it super short. So I went to go see the Chris Perkins DM panel, which was mostly him giving a kind of a fabulous educational lecture anyway in line uh not only did a whole bunch of people come around from uh wizards of the coast specifically the people who'd made uh neverwinter which is the online mmo for both xbox and pc they came around with brownies and cookies and codes for a um a companion which uh was special a specialized companion one a, a special version and I admittedly have been thinking about at least loading up the game and checking it out already for a while because it is a free MMO on the Xbox and then there's elements in where you, you pay to buy things. So it's got microtransactions. So I got this code for this awesome bird that's on fire. It's a phoenix. It's cool. I'm like, why not? I'm kind of in between games at the moment. The only thing I'm really playing besides Halo, you know, when I've got friends on is just some silly mobile games. I'll give this free game a try. I have no money. So I've been playing and I've been basically playing an MMO the wrong way. I've been playing it by myself. Um, there are dungeons and skirmishes that you can do that require 
five to three to five to seven people, but there's matchmaking involved in all of them. So you queue up and you can join with a whole bunch of random people. I have never spoken to anyone. I don't play with the headset. I barely even play with the, the sound on because like a lot of MMOs, the, the sound effects and the music get a little repetitive, but it's, it's a gorgeous world. Um, I am definitely an RPG nerd that I like seeing stats go up and I like seeing that, you know, my progress bar get bigger and my numbers get bigger. I enjoy that. And at its core, it's, it's a solid MM action MMO game. I am enjoying it. It is, I, I, I jokingly call it my mindless game because I can't play Halo without thinking about strategy and positioning that MMO is it, there's it draws a little quest path and it says go here and click on this thing and now go over here and click on this thing and go over here and click like there's no thinking really involved at least in Neverwinter so I've been having a lot of fun with it I don't know how much longer I will play it once uh, Halo 5 comes out but it's it's been fun and if as long as it remains free it'll probably be a thing that I load up every now and then especially when I want to just zone out and then the other thing is Luke and I got the um so the the re-release of or not re-release but the updated king's quest the um episodic game that's coming out chapter one is out and we played through that on sunday night actually um he bought it and we basically played it as a team he did the controls uh for most of it and we both picked you know tried to figure out some of the puzzles and everything it is it is punnerific. Oh my God. It is full of puns. It is ridiculously punny. Uh, Jenga, you'd love it. It hmm. is. The art style is gorgeous. Luke's actually doing a second playthrough right now as I speak. And it's, it's this really gorgeous hand-drawn art and the shading on it is great. Um, the puzzles straddle that line of, for those of us who are old school adventure puzzle people, like, Monkey Island and uh, Maniac Mansion and all those games, they're not quite as ludicrous. It's not quite so get to something and try everything, but there's some of that. And I do like that the characters acknowledge that and make fun of it. Um, Christopher Lloyd actually is the main narrator of the game and he is, he is funny as shit. He's you're playing him, but you're playing the younger version of him and so he will say things like at one point you pick up a, a hand axe and he, it's right at the beginning of the game. And he literally says, cause he's, he's telling this, this story of the game you're playing through to his granddaughter. And he literally says, and just before you ask, no, I did not run around trying to use the hand axe on everything. And if you do try to use the hand axe on everything, he admonishes the story for trying to do really crazy things with a hand axe. So it's really fun. It is, um, it is episodic and the first episode is only out right now, which is painful. Um, it is self-contained. You play through a story that obviously is part of a, it's a chapter in a larger story, but it has a beginning, middle and an end. So it's at least that, but it is funny. If you're a fan of King's quest, I, I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, it has a lot of really good voice acting and throughout the whole game, we would turn each other and wait and go, wait, 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 is that, does that sound like it? it I mean, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So definitely if you get a chance, uh, grab it. Appreciate the tip. The world I will is indeed a strange questy <laughs> place. <laughs> nice. Oh man, we're just about running out the hour here, aren't we? Yeah, and uh, I did want to bring up one sportsy thing. I believe OU Texas is this weekend. I feel like I should know that. But I am so happy and looking forward to the game. We're going to see how it works out. I, it's, it's possible it could go sideways, but we'll, we'll see. Well, you know. Let's, let's do some picks. Let's go around the horn. Oh, the horn. I see what you did there. I was very clever. Yeah, yeah. I, I would like to plead the fifth and or say go Seahawks. What? Wow. Not even a, hey, you went to OU, so go OU. No, no love there? Jeez. 
why? What do I know? I, I also all of you my know colleagues, I went to fucking Oklahoma. <laughs> I know, but what do I know about Oklahoma except you went there? I I don't know anything. We're I would playing, like to once again. We're playing one of the biggest games against Texas. Uh, it's like go you. It's like Ash having a Pokemon battle with Gary Oak. Yeah. That's and, the magnitude of it. it. Okay, it's like Ash having a Pokemon battle with, battle with Gary Oak. You are classmates with Ash, and when you're when Ash is like, "Hey, so we're, I'm going to have a Pokemon battle with Gary Oak. Who you're going to root for? You're going to be like, I like Portal." <laughs> I do like Portal. Big Luigi fan, but uh, let me say this: like, even though we have two, uh, you know, OU alumni on the Philadelphia Eagles now in uh, in Sam Bradford and Demarco Murray. Um, they're not doing much for me these days, so hook 'em horns. You, I, that it's it's fair that you're making a pick. That's fine. I would just like to. Texas is kind of a mess right now. Like they, their players are bickering each other at uh, on uh, social media and on Twitter. It is super super unprofessional. Oh, and is this is this. Is this the team that has the the guy on the team who, in the middle of a game that they were losing, was tweeting at a, a another school that he wanted to transfer to? No. So what? Ha- what sort of? What happened? Was, <laughs> uh, this Sorry, player go ahead and was playing it. on on Texas, and so someone with with Texas A and M, who is a, a a rival school in Texas, tweeted, "Hey, you should ditch them and transfer here." All he did was retweet it. That's what the, the Texas player did. But honestly, if you're going to retweet that, you might as well have tweeted that on your own. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not quite as bad as the way that I'd heard about it. But that's still, first off, I, is it true that he did it in the middle of the game? Like, I believe it was done at the middle of the, in the middle of the game. Whether he did it or not, or it was one of his handlers who retweeted it, uh... It's possible. A lot of those guys, when they start getting to that level, depending on how good they are, they start having people who hang around them. And they're not paid. And if if anyone asks, they're like, the, the players are just instructed to say, oh, he's my advisor or he's he's a friend. And that's it. But really, these people are, are representative of sports agencies. And they're trying to, to nab their a client, essentially, should that player go pro, if, if that happens. It's yeah. shady. Yeah, that whole thing sounds amazingly shady. But anyway, so go OU. We're going to kick the ever-living shit out of them. Hopefully, we beat them at least as bad as TCU did. TCU beat them 50-7. to 7. The views of Jonathan Roblox Turner do not necessarily reflect those of Gloob Shark. <laughs> They don't definitely don't represent my views, as I am totally ignorant on the subject. Go portal, go, go portal, go, go I'm portal. Wait, wait. <laughs> if I say friends has a strong opinion of it, and you're like, oh, I don't care. Uh, well, okay, I I respect and love you and want you to be happy, but as far as like my views on college sports, I went to Ithaca and Akron. That pretty much tells what you need to know. There you go. I think I think these days they've got a solid uh, uh, FSC or FCS championship uh, team. I think I don't know. know. You know my favorite Ithaca alumnus? Me? Oh, oh, second favorite, Odysseus. Okay. Fair enough. Like I mean, Odysseus, the guy from the Iliad. Yeah, he no, he's from the Odyssey. I guess he would be from the Iliad too, though. From, from both, yeah, he's from Ithaca. Oh, that's right, he is from Ithaca. Okay, I'd, I'd forgotten about that. He's from the other. He's from the better Ithaca. Class and enough. I could. Okay, wait. I could go go Huskies and root for my hometown college team. I could go go Bucks and root for some of my friends, my other friends, college team. Does that help? No, we help. lost Obo there. Just end the show. Yeah. Oh man, on that watery <laughs> On that watery No note. one can hear me anymore. Yeah, you you were yeah, a little watery for a yeah. second. But um 
But on that watery That's note, okay. I didn't say anything intelligent. Our sound producer is Jonathan Red River Cerna. I, I'm going to have to fix that, aren't I? Yeah. All right. I Looks can do that. that our, uh, our announcer is the inimitable voice actor Bob Ball. And, uh, oh, gosh. Are we dead? I, I'm still here. Oh, good. So, uh, yeah, and our um, theme music is done by Linnea Boyev. You can actually hear the clip of our theme music and uh, during the D&D&D episode, which is out now, which everyone should listen to because you guys had a blast at RTX listening to us play D&D. Uh, the story continues, and it's a, it's a story worth telling. I'm looking forward to, to having that out for you guys. But on behalf of Lauren Urban, Jonathan Cerna, and the entire Gloop Shark staff, this is Jack Edithel saying good night, good health, and... Good night, Mr. Walters. Texas sucks. Texas sucks. Okay, I'll stop. That's fine. That was pretty good. I was quoting. Inspirational That's all for this week's episode of Glib Shark. But you can find more swimming around the internet. Go fishing for us on iTunes. We're a five star catch. Or follow us on Twitter, at Glibshark. You can even drop us a line, glibshark at gmail.com. Until next week, stay sharky, my friends. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.